So today is the last Sunday of the church liturgical year, and it ends with Christ's victory on the cross. The liturgical year ends today, and next Sunday we have the first Sunday of Advent and repeat the whole cycle of starting with expectation of Advent and the manger at Christmas and moving all the way through the year and coming back again to Christ the King on the cross. Liturgically, today is called the last Sunday after Pentecost and more recently has become known also as Christ the King Sunday or as the reign of Christ Uh, And it depends on kind of which church or denomination or area uh, where you might get that celebration. In the Episcopal Church, it's been more common recently to celebrate uh, Christ the King. In, say, the Anglican Church of Canada, they might be celebrating the reign of Christ or in Methodist or Presbyterian churches. In some ways, I wish we celebrated reign of Christ instead of Christ the King, because to me, Christ the King is descriptive about Christ, but the reign of Christ, to me, is a little more active sounding. It's the action of what Christ does that we would celebrate. I don't know if you all get our uh, weekly email. I hope you do, and if you don't, we can help you with that. And... uh, On Tuesday, we get it ready, and uh, we were proofing it, and uh, Steve caught the typo of the year for me uh, in that we have a sidebar section that says, you know, next Sunday and lists the readings and now the hymns for the coming Sunday. Uh, And it said, next Sunday, last Sunday after Pentecost, Chris the King. But Steve caught it. (laughs) I didn't type it, by the way. It was not my uh, intentional typo. But I heard about it, and I'm like, it's good to be the king. (laughs) Christ the king, not Chris the king. But in celebrating this day, we must face, I believe, the challenges that the language and images of king have for our faith. Now, having a king is foreign to most of us who uh, are American or live in America. We're not used to having a king. But we sometimes act as if God is our monarch. And we have to acknowledge that there is a certain danger in using the image of the power and triumph of Christ the King to support a civic religion. For me, the best, most recent example of this was in uh, the recent World Series, where at every game during the seventh inning stretch, Instead of take me out to the ballpark, ball game, 
they sang God Bless America, which has been used on and off in our ballparks since 9-11. And it was done in a way to honor veterans and those uh, serving in our military, many of whom had been brought, uh, given tickets to the game. And this was all sponsored by a bank. I think it's fine to sing God Bless America. And many nations sing or pray for God to bless their country. And I hope that God is blessing all of them. And we should absolutely honor our veterans and honor those who serve in our military. Not only with feel-good tickets to the World Series, but with really excellent mental health care and physical health care and addressing the issues of suicide and homelessness and addiction that have been struggles for those who have served our country in the military. And we're all pretty used to corporate sponsorship of sports teams and events, and that's kind of all pretty common. But when you combine all of those together, along with our national pastime of baseball, it manipulates God to earthly power. It manipulates God for earthly power. Perhaps completely unintentionally, but every game I watched, when they did that at the seventh inning, I felt like there was this subtle image of, here is Christ the King with his army, the American military, and all their power and their might, brought to you by Bank of America. And I thought, how many people singing this song even believe in the God they're asking to bless our country? Now, I want to be really clear. Using, let's see, using religion, patriotism, the military, and baseball, all in a single sermon illustration is fraught with danger. And some of you may completely disagree with me, and that's okay. Let's talk. But we need to think about the imagery of triumphal, imperial Christ the King being used to promote what is essentially civil religion. Because the point of Christ the King is precisely the contrast with earthly kings and earthly power. Jesus never behaves like a king. The king of kings does not behave like a king. Let's look at the trajectory of Christ the king's life. Jesus is born... Wise men from the east come bearing gifts, looking for the one who is to be, quote, king of the Jews. 
In his ministry, Jesus multiplies loaves and fishes and feeds the multitudes. And people are so amazed by this that they want to make him king right then and there. And what does Jesus do? He runs away. He doesn't run towards that power and authority they're trying to put on him. He runs away from it. And I am convinced that this Bible story has got to be the inspiration for the movie Life of Brian. If you're a Monty Python fan. Running away from people trying to assert, oh, you must be the Messiah. Let's make you the king. Jesus runs away from that. Palm Sunday, Jesus has a royal procession into Jerusalem. People lay their cloaks on the ground. Branches of palm, as they would for royalty entering Jerusalem. And how does the king enter Jerusalem? On a donkey. On a donkey. It is not the image of the Jewish king nor of the emperor. At his enthronement, Jesus is not enthroned on a throne. Jesus is enthroned with those words that the wise men had proclaimed at his birth, the king of the Jews. And he is enthroned on a cross. And the climax of the entire Jesus story comes in this gospel. When Jesus finally exercises the authority and the right of a true king by granting pardon. That is the one thing where we see Jesus become a king and do and exercise the power, albeit in a very different way, that kings have to grant pardon. Indeed, the last words that Jesus speaks to another person, as opposed to his words to God the Father at the end, are the words of pardoning the thief. In this moment, Jesus becomes king and unites God's kingdom not by force, but through forgiveness, pardon, and sacrifice. Being forgiven and forgiving are the currency of the kingdom of God. If you want to pay tribute to the king, be forgiven and forgive. Of what do you need to be forgiven? Who do you need to forgive? For as the blunt words of the writer Anne Lamott remind us, Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and expecting the rat to die. 
Mm, wise words indeed. The gospel today places us on the cross next to Jesus. And the thieves in the story represent two approaches, as it were, to Christ, to Christ the King. The thief who, along with the people, is mocking him has sort of the superhero approach. If you're the king, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and me too. Save us too. Right? You have all these powers. You could save yourself. You could save me. You could prevent this from happening. You could heal this. The flip side of that is the notion that if the superhero doesn't act the way you want them to act, then they must be impotent or not worthy of the title. How could God cause such devastation in the Philippines? We all know this isn't true, but we all go there. I go there. When my one-year-old niece was diagnosed with cancer, my mom called me and said, how could God let this happen? And I thought, God doesn't let this happen. But there was part of me in the back of my mind going, yeah, how the hell can God let this happen? The superhero who can save the day or who is a fraud. The thief who repents presents a different approach. For us, he represents letting go of the notion of our own self-sufficiency and paying allegiance to our true king in the simple words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now this Sunday is the in-gathering of our annual fund commitments for 2014. So how does that relate to Christ the King? Largely by the coincidence that the date we chose to end the campaign happened to be Christ the King Sunday. So now I have to figure out how to connect the two. But I do think in our offerings there is a bit of an image of the wise men bringing gifts. We come, we bear our gifts and present them to the king. And our support of St. John's and of other institutions doing God's work in the world is an expression of our faith in God. And it is an act of gratitude. And it is, in fact, a way of following Christ the King and doing what Christ the King asks us to do. Because Christ the King is really about transforming our earthly world to match that image of the kingdom of God. This, right, 
Confirmation right there. The, what's I'm going to say? The Lord's Prayer tells us this, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To follow Christ the King is to try to bring about God's earth, God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we come forward and we make our offerings from our financial resources to support the work of the church and other institutions that help bring that about so that we may follow our king and help build up the kingdom of God here and now. Amen.